Hi, I'm Amy Morgan, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy! Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Well, friends, I'm so glad you've joined me for today's podcast episode. I love this conversation with my friend, Lisa Monson. She and I used to work together. She's a licensed professional counselor and owns her own practice called Renewal Counseling. Although we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about her counseling as much as we do her life story, which I was so privileged to be able to hear and share with you. Lisa has a pretty incredible faith story, and she really is a walking miracle. Lisa is fun, kind, and gentle, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. As an aside, as I was setting up the podcast equipment, we happened to be talking about personality, and when I got home and started editing, realized that I had recorded a cute little clip of us talking about the Enneagram. It doesn't really fit with the rest of the episode, so I put it at the end as an outtake. So if you listen long enough, you'll hear a little hidden gem at the end. I want to take a moment and thank those of you who have gone on iTunes or your own favorite podcasting app or Facebook and left a review. I so appreciate your support, and I love that you're sharing this with other people. Well, without any further ado, let's jump into today's conversation. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Lisa, do you want to introduce yourself for our friends? Yes. So I'm Lisa Monson, and I'm married to my husband, Chuck. And we have a pup, Winston. I am a counselor. All right. Um, We are going to talk more about that for sure. Okay. But do you want to say a fun fact about yourself? Sure. So I guess my birthday, I am born on leap year, and next year I will be 11 years old. So that's... (laughs) That's kind of fun, I guess. That is really fun. <laughs> I wish I was still 11. Oh, I know. <laughs> Some I know. Days especially. I know. I'm raising an 11-year-old. Um, well, part of the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is because you have this amazing story and you are a walking miracle. And so I really love to interview guests that have a story of faith to share. Some are still going through them. Some, it's like something that happened to them years ago, but regardless, they've got some perspective on that and like what the Lord did in their lives. And so your story is pretty big and I'm going to let you pick up and share the pieces that you want to share on this podcast. Okay. That sounds good. Um, so just the last 10 years, probably, um, or maybe 10 years ago, went through several things, some lots going on at one time. Um, my marriage ended Um, And that was devastating. And um, I had really gotten close to a friend who had just recently been diagnosed with um, scleroderma. um, And that is just this pretty awful autoimmune disorder. Um, And so really close to her. Um, I was in seminary for um, grad school to become a counselor. And so just so much going on. And it's so interesting, and I think that the the part I love to share the most about my story is, like, God's hand. And Uh I can't, like, I have to be honest, like, I didn't see it in the moment each time, but I felt so much of His presence and His comfort through so much of what 
kind of from from that point on. And so, um, so I started feeling symptoms of something um, in May of 2010, which was actually my graduation day. And I say that because of the timeline. I think that's like so important. So you graduated with your master's? Or? I did, yes. Okay. So that's whenever, yes. So I graduated with my master's at that time. And um, that is when symptoms began and took six months to find out what was going on. So I went to several doctors. Um, at the time, I had just recently gotten into a relationship with my now husband um, and his family, all medical backgrounds. And so it was just so interesting how God used him in my life and even how that kind of healed and restored so much of the devastation from the past. Uh Um, And so... So when you say that you are having symptoms, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how in-depth you want to go, but can you share some of what that was? Yes. Yeah, so at graduation, I was I was always so very, like, cold-natured. And at graduation, it was just, like, so hot. And, like, things like my stomach, there's just, like, um, discomfort and all kinds of things. And then the stomach issues, like, just became worse and worse. It was, like, a constant pain. And I was seeing my doctors, and they were testing me. For all sorts of things and, um, you know, just as far as like even like mono, just um, anything, ENT, all types of doctors. Um, During the time after graduation, awaiting my um, results from my, you know, my exam, my NCE exam, and of course, awaiting my provisional license. So there were some things I was just doing on the side, like working for my brother and that kind of thing. and But then just really noticing more and more symptoms. My stomach, I mean, it was to the point where you could actually tell like something was wrong. Like it had it, it, like swollen. Um, and the pain was at times just so uncomfortable that I couldn't like work or leave the house. Um, and so the fact that my boyfriend at the time, his family just so, you know, in involved in the medical field. They were very helpful with finding certain doctors that I could go to. Um, And so after six months, I was supposed to work for my brother one night and I just had the the worst pains in my, in my stomach to the point where like, I felt like it would take my breath and I couldn't eat or anything, but I was like, okay, this can't be good. But I was not, I kind of think I dismissed it. Um, Eventually couldn't handle it anymore. And, um, ended up going to the emergency room. I called my boyfriend at the time and he called his dad who was a surgeon. He's a general surgeon and he was actually on call. So I went to that hospital and when I got there, I was in so much pain. And so he ordered a, a, a pet, or I'm sorry, a CT scan and ended up diagnosing me there after six months um, with lymphoma. Um, at that point we didn't know exactly which lymphoma or, you know, the specifics. And I was on pain medication due to the fact that actually what I, the pain was coming from a blocked intestine. So that was why I was doubling up in pain or in pain. So anyway, so I was on pain meds and so it really didn't hit me the diagnosis. Everybody was crying around me, but I just like, what, you know, what, I knew what they said, but it was just like, it didn't really hit me. And I was in denial at the time. And so anyway, pretty much because of my now father-in-law, I was able to get 
help and treatment immediately. Um, I was admitted into the hospital, of course, to treat the blocked intestine. And, um, and so there I got set up with my oncologist. We started treatment. Um, funny stories along the way. I'm not sure if my <laughs> father-in-law wants me to tell this. But um, anyway, when they were inserting the port, they actually accidentally kind of nicked my lung, which gave me a pneumothorax, a partial collapsed lung, if you will. So then I had to have a, um, a chest tube, which was not a lot of fun. Oh, office. my goodness. So it's kind I'm of you funny. I know. <laughs> yes, it's so funny. And, of course, it's not ever going to happen unless, of course, like my father-in-law knew me. So right. that would be why that would happen. But it was interesting. Just all that kind of went on with that week. I was in the hospital and um, through that. So I think I saw the oncologist the second day that I was in the hospital we did the biopsy. We did the, you know, all of that to, to find out what was going on after they removed my lymph node. And I don't think it really hit me until like the second or third day or the third day in the hospital when they told me exactly what I had. So it was non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And I think what hit me the hardest was that I was stage 3B. And I think, I don't know, there's something about that. It was just like, that's what triggered me into this, like, oh my goodness, like this is real and this may be not good. Um, So I know stage three, stage four is the worst. So what does B mean? So I think, and I, you know what, there's so much I will say about the details that I feel like maybe I've blocked out or I didn't because I think I was still on a lot of medication in the hospital. I do know that what that meant was the disease was symptomatic um, at that stage, and it was above and below my diaphragm. Okay. So before I was diagnosed, the reason they had tested me for mono was because my lymph nodes and my saliva gland were all swollen, but everything presented in the stomach to begin with. So then my spleen was full of nodules, and so that's that it was, you know, kind of showing up all over my body. Can I ask kind of a novice question? Sure. So lymphoma, is that cancer of the lymph nodes? Yes. Okay. Yes. And non-Hodgkin, so there's Hodgkin and non-Hodgkin. And um, that is determined, I think, based on, oh gosh. So like I said, my oncologist always told me not to go on the internet too often. So I didn't. I listened to him. Yes. That's really wise. Yes. And again, so much of this is a blur, like the details. But um, there is a distinction. And I think it's based on, like with the biopsy, like what they found in the cell. So there's different cells, you know, that can, in different types of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, and so we started treatment immediately, but that, I think that hit me. And I think that's whenever I, if I was in denial before that kind of woke me up to, oh my gosh, this is serious. And, you know, just really, I guess the, the, the weight of that and what that was going to mean. Um, I had so much support, friends, family, church members. I mean, it was, it was overwhelming, but it was so amazing um, anyway, so didn't know what all to expect. Did my first treatment in the hospital. Lots of pain from the chest tube. Um, so a lot of that's a blur as well. But I do remember getting through that pretty well. Um, and then I went home. After a week, I got home. And of course, my LPCA, like, certificate was in the mail and that was a little anticlimactic at yeah. that moment so I mean it was there so that was kind of cool but you know I'm like well because there was so much uncertainty I uh-huh. knew that I was going to have treatment I know that it was going to be at least like eight weeks of you know of chemo but it was actually a good thing because it was more of um, a targeted chemo and thankfully for me I had very few side effects 
So after we did have to cancel a cruise, we were supposed to go on a cruise actually the day after I was diagnosed. That's okay. We didn't do that. We were planning another one for when I got better. Yeah, and you've gone on some amazing trips since then. So yes. So and I should add that my friend that I was very close to, her name was Star, and she was battling this this autoimmune disorder um, and really declining in health a lot. Um, so we were going through a lot of this together at that point. I was living with my brother. And she was dating my brother. So there was a lot of time that we shared and got close. And, of course, just really, really relating a lot to, even though they were very different illnesses and hers had its own set of frustrations, um, different from mine, definitely caused us to get closer in, mm-hmm. in our relationship. So I say that because all this is kind of going on. And she's there for me. I'm there for her. And so we just really had that, I think, bonded through some of that. But when I got home from the hospital, I think everything hit me, the emotions. And so that was really hard and just not sure the uncertainty of what was going to happen. Fast forward, I got through the eight weeks of the the rituxan and went into remission, which was amazing. So then started my job. um, And at that time, I was working at an agency, um, started that job, and I was working with victims of domestic violence. So that's not stressful at all. No. I bet that was easy for you while you were in recovery. (laughs) Yes. Oh, goodness. It was so excited, but I was so also just like overwhelmed and so much, you know, it's kind of coming off of just so much going on. And Uh I'm sure there's so many things I'm forgetting even about that time. But that was in December. Of 2010? Of 2010, yes. Okay. Yes. So all that kind of timeline going through there. Um, Started my job. Really blessed with some amazing people that I worked with and didn't know how important that was going to be at that time. So fast forward to April of 2011 and noticed that one of my lymph nodes um, in my neck had swollen and only one, which I was like certain it was because I was allergic to pollen. I went to see my oncologist. He's like, Lisa, that's not that's not what this is, he said, but he's like, you know, we'll, we'll scan you. And of course, my lymphoma was back. Um, and that was pretty devastating. But actually, that's where I feel so it like... it was only four months? Yes. Oh. Yes. So I knew what that meant. I knew that was going to be more of the harsh chemo the, with all the side effects. And um, we were talking with my oncologist about whether or not to follow that up with, once I went into remission again, um, with a stem cell transplant. So, to kind of condense my story a bit, um, I knew it was going to be a lot. I knew that it was not going to be easy like the first round of treatment. Um, I found out my results that night of the scan because my father-in-law, again, was able to get those results. So, um, just devastated, honestly, and I remember just kind of just sobbing just terrified of what that was going to mean. I was finally like doing what I felt God had called me to do as far as in my work and counseling and um, just trying to get on with my life. And it just felt like such an interruption, obviously. Um, So the next day I had to work and I was still, I think I was still kind of feeling sorry for myself a lot. So the whole way, and I drove like 45 minutes to work the whole way. I'm just crying and I know I'm like, how am I going to see clients today? Um, Which probably wouldn't wouldn't have been a good idea, but that's kind of how God showed up because I walk in and I'm still like feeling sorry for myself. 
And I'm just crying. And I, I wasn't really ready to stop feeling sorry for myself, to be honest. I didn't want to do this day. I didn't want to be there. I went into the restroom just to kind of gather myself. And all of a sudden, it was just this incredible peace, that peace that only comes from, from God, uh-huh. that just kind of my, just dried my tears. And like I said, I wasn't even ready for it. I was like ready to be sad all day. But he just gave me this incredible peace that I'd never experienced in a situation like that. And I think that was my first like huge, like, oh my gosh, like he is going to be there with me through this. And I was able to work. I was fine for the most part that day. Um, so there were some things we wanted to do before the, the harsh chemo. Um, a lot of those things weren't successful, which we dealt with, but, um, anyway, that like things as far as treatment or um so trying to harvest eggs oh, oh, oh. so that, okay, to that see sense. about the future um and that was unsuccessful which was which was pretty hard uh-huh. um but i was kind of in survival mode just kind of focusing on okay so now we'll start the treatment the chemo and then just kind of work through this so it was it was um i think my chemo started in may and i had four rounds every three weeks, and it made me very sick, and so it was really hard for me because there were like 10 days each time that I couldn't work, and I felt really like, I think I turned that inward on myself and felt like I should have been able to work, and so I had a lot of that going on at the time, but God just really kind of threw my coworkers um, and my supervisors. He just was so good to, they supported me so much, and they even like just, they went overboard with like how they supported me, so I'm so grateful for him putting them in my life. It was, it was incredible. Um, so they worked with me, um, again, through this, you know, alongside my friend who was declining, she was looking into different treatments, having a hard time finding doctors that knew what to do for her all at the same time. So I'm thinking about my brother going through what he was going through and my family, um, who was so, they were all so close to her as well. So just everyone, um, walking through this alongside both of us, um, did the treatments, and then it was decided that I was going to do a stem cell transplant. I was going to do the um, the stem cell transplant where I gave my own cells. So, you know, kind of harvested my own cells, and then they kind of sent them through like a centrifuge to restart my whole system. Um, so it was kind of funny. We were at Duke talking to the transplant doctor before all that started. My whole family would go with me. And um, they told me there that I needed to have a bone marrow biopsy. And I had just heard nightmares about that. I had no idea. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds painful. Yeah, so I was scared to death. And uh, I remember my dad and my brother both are very, like, funny because they have these weak stomachs. And, like, my dad passed out when I was um, born (laughs) because my mom's epidural. So... They're like, yeah, you should go ahead and get it over with. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. You can tell me that. <laughs> so anyway, I was terrified, and the anxiety just, like, heightened. And Because were they worried there was cancer in there, too? They were just wanting to check make um, sure. to make sure. And, um, yeah, just to make sure I hadn't spread, maybe, I guess. Um, not really sure the whole details about that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I remember just praying and my mom and my boyfriend at the time were there because I sent my dad and brother out (laughs) and it was the most incredible feeling. I literally felt like Jesus was holding me. I don't remember pain. I don't remember. I do remember the sounds. 
And I remember being terrified. But you were awake. I was awake. I'm sure they numbed that area a little bit, but it was the most incredible feeling I've ever experienced. It was like he was holding me, and I'd never felt that before. So God took something so terrifying uh-huh. and that I'm sure was probably very painful, <laughs> um, but he just, he just got me through it in yeah. a very incredible way. So he just showed up a lot in this time, and so definitely scared about what was going to come with the going to Duke, and that was going to mean I'd have to have a whole other week of different types of chemo just to wipe out my immune system. And this is after I had harvested my own stem cells, which was with just a series of shots that I would give myself, or I didn't give them to myself. My mom would give them to me. Um, But then it would cause like a lot of leg pain because the bone marrow and everything was building up in my, in my legs and just different places. It's a good thing though, because when they went to, to take the, the harvested stem cells before I did the chemo, um, to wipe out the immune system, um, they were able to get all that they needed, which was really good. And so then I went into Duke to the hospital there and had the most amazing doctor, the most amazing nurses, PAs, everybody. And so amazing. Great, great, great experience. Um, that part was a great experience, yeah. but the, it was pretty tough going, kind of going through the chemo. Anyway. So let me get this sure. straight. So it sounds like they were giving you chemo to wipe out your immune system and anything that was left over. And then they're rebooting yes. your whole system with the stem cells, basically. Yes. Like giving you a kickstart. Yes. So That's yes. amazing. Yes, it's pretty incredible. Because I had to go into remission with my um, first, you know, four rounds of chemo from May until September. And when I went into remission, they scanned me and made sure that's whenever I did the stem cell, the harvesting. Then I, I was admitted to Duke, and it's their adult, um, goodness, adult bone marrow um, transplant unit. And then that's whenever they did the other chemo to wipe out my immune system. And it's interesting because to actually give me my cells back was very like again, very anticlimactic because it was a syringe. Oh, because I had a, a, a catheter, like a Hickman catheter, which is where I would give blood and, um, you know, have everything kind of like the chemo and everything administered. And so, um, yeah, it was like a little syringe. It took like a couple of minutes and I smelled like sweet corn. <laughs> Like really? so funny, they told me they're like, "You're either gonna smell like that for a day or something else," and I can't even remember. But it was so. What funny. is that from? From the, I don't know. From the stem your stem cells, cells? yeah, like sweet corn. It's kind of crazy. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like really funny little things that I remember. Yeah. But so at that point, um, you know, thankfully I had given my own cells. Um, had I had had I had a donor, then um, I would have had to. It would. There's a whole other protocol. Like, yeah. So you, I would have been there for 100 days. There's the the whole like risk of host versus graft, that kind of right. thing. And so um, they were concerned, obviously, about immune system. You don't have immune system for a while, so you're there. I was in an apartment about 10 minutes away from the hospital for a month, um, and I had to go every day into clinic, and they would test me, and if I needed, like, any kind of potassium or blood platelets, they would always administer that there. So I was there every day. Um, my parents were so amazing. Uh, my mom's always been a, a clean freak as, and my dad's always been a little the same. 
<laughs> so it really worked out because everything <laughs> had to be so like sanitized and yeah. you know so it's just like really careful that I wouldn't get sick or anything um the weekend my um my, my boyfriend at the time he's like so I want you guys to like go and I'm just gonna stay here I'll stay in the living room and be with her for the weekend so you guys can take a break my dad had taken like FMLA all this stuff the the weekend they leave that day I started running a fever and got really sick. I had like a lot of pain in my stomach and um, the hospital, the clinic was getting ready to close. And I knew if I didn't get there in time that I was gonna have to be admitted into the hospital and I did not want to have to do that. So Chuck took me to the clinic and um, I was in a lot of pain and I had, they didn't know what was going on, but they were administering like IV antibiotics. Anyway, I was admitted into the hospital and that was really depressing. Yeah. But um, I think now looking back on it, that could have been really bad. I mean, that could have been, I mean, life, I mean, it was life threatening. I don't think I realized that at the time. Right. Um, but I was very emotional, um, you know, blood transfusions, you know, my word. it was, there was a lot that was going on and I was there and I wanted to be back at the apartment. It was just like so emotionally hard. I think that was the most depressed I was through the whole thing. And I think I was there for, I can't remember, maybe five days or a week. So I ended up, you know, getting to go back. But anyway, thank God I survived that. Um, but it was, of course, as soon as my parents leave. <laughs> and so we kids. So they never want to leave again, I'm sure. <laughs> and my, my husband now, he's like, of course, that would happen when I'm there by myself and under, you know, with my wa- under my watch. But so anyway, I went into remission. That was Labor Day weekend that I actually, actually got the stem cell transplant. And then after that, so I came home um, the end of October, early November, I believe. But I still had to be quarantined for a long time, like a, a month and a half after that. So I really couldn't do a whole lot, go a whole lot of places. And that was really hard because I'm very extroverted in that way. And so that was tough. Um, but again, great support system, lots of friends and family that would come visit. Um, and I was able to go back to work in December. That was like the best day ever. <laughs> so I bet. Yeah. So everything was good at that point. That was in December of 2011. And then for me, they wanted to put me on like maintenance treatments because I supposedly have like a chronic lymphoma. Um, And so that's always in the back of my mind. However, I have been cancer free. A couple little scares here and there, but I have been cancer free since I guess we would say December 2011, which is pretty incredible. Years. Yeah. Yep. So very grateful. Very grateful Uh for that. Um, now is whenever, like, with my friend Star, she was declining, and she was actually supposed to get a stem cell transplant for her scleroderma in Chicago, and, um, insurance, um, lots of issues there, and so it kept getting pushed back and pushed back, and she'd go to Chicago and met all the transplant doctors, and everything was, like, set up, but they were just waiting on insurance. So, in June of that year... Um, she had, she was going to the hospital to see about her transplant and my husband now, he was still my boyfriend at the time. He was going to go up for a conference. And so my brother and I decided let, let's go to it was Chicago. We'll go and visit. And so when we were there, she got the news that her heart had deteriorated. It wasn't strong enough for a transplant. So essentially she got the news that she was just kind of waiting on the disease to, take over. Mm. And it was so 
devastating for us. And we were there for her, but it was just so, so hard to get that that news. So that was a really hard um, weekend. And then she ended up passing away in July um, of 2012. Yep, because that was that next week, that next year. And so... So that was fast. Yeah. So she had probably suffered from the disease for about four years. But, um, and I think for me, that just brought up a whole other, like I was just struggling with, because she was such a great person and um, on fire for the Lord and like her life was ministry and it was just really hard for me to understand. And of course, also the survivor's guilt that I think Mm -hmm. I was experiencing because I don't know, I just, I really had faith that she was going to to get through this and just so close, so, so close. And so that was really hard. And I think for me that started, I just wanted to know more about like heaven and like what, you know, what in the world? Like, I know that God had his reasons for healing her there instead of here. Um, But it was really hard for me to to kind of understand. And so I think that just kind of started my my search. And I wanted to know just all I could about, like, heaven. And and I don't think I've put a lot of thought into it before. I mean, of course, I'd focus on eternity and things like that. But it was just a whole different way of looking at it Mm -hmm. for me. And so... Um, anyway, so that kind of started that. And I think that also helped me with just really getting even closer in my walk with the Lord, of course, just grew more and more through all of the trials, the sickness, but also that loss and just clinging to him, um, and, and wanting to know more. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're like, what, seven years out from that now. So you probably yes. have a little different perspective <clears throat> now than you would have then if we were talking about it. For sure. Um, but the heaven piece is really interesting. So what did you read about that or how did you think more about that? Did you just get into scripture or did you mm-hmm. listen to something or read something? I definitely got into scripture, but I was also just searching. I just wanted to just know more, but I wanted to be careful, like the resources right. that I, I utilized for that. So I had found... Um, I don't know. Randy Alcorn has a book huh. called Heaven. Yeah. Um, and it's a pretty long book, but I was going to order that. And I accidentally ordered a study guide <laughs> instead of the actual book. So I got the study guide, and I was like, well, this is not really what I thought I was getting. But then it kind of just gave me this idea of, okay, I'm going to pray about it. Maybe I want to start a little study or do a little study with a group of friends and um, and just see if anybody else has this you know, interest and curiosity to know more because I think the enemy doesn't want us to get excited about heaven. No, I think there's just this like common misconception, even among some Christians. And probably if I'm honest, even myself Uh when I was younger that, okay, yes, it's going to be great. And of course Jesus is going to be there, but we're not going to really do a whole lot. And I was so wrong. Um, Uh And it was so good for me to have something, this catalyst, I don't know, to make me dig deeper and really understand more about what that was going to be and make me excited for that. Um, and just so excited that Star was, you know, really kind of already in a, in a place that, um, I don't know. So a group of my friends and I, I did end up ordering the book and reading that too before we did the study, but it was really cool to have I think we met like every other week and just together studied what heaven was going to be like. And I love the Randy Alcorn book because it does bring, it's so based on scripture. Mm -hmm. 
And I needed that. I needed to know exactly like the truth about what that was going to be like. And so very excited. Um, so yeah, that was a great resource for me. That's really neat. And it, it definitely helped me to set my sights on eternity a lot more. And even just from then, it's just like, even then, like so much of what I went through and seeing God's hand in that, it's such a testimony to just him. And he, I can look back on it now and see even just from the beginning, everything that was so devastating, how he brought good out of that. Mm -hmm. And of course, even how I can relate with my clients who are going through, you know, any of those trials, whether it's divorce or illness or death, loss, those types Mm -hmm. of things. And even just growing spiritually and seeing like how God can use like the horrible things that we go through. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to have to go through it again, but I am so, <laughs> I don't want you to either. <laughs> but I am so grateful because had I not, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I experienced him in a way that I never had before mm-hmm. in my life. So, mm-hmm. oh man, the part that stands out to me is feeling like Jesus held you because you and I both know that traumatic experiences get stuck for people sometimes, Yes, but he took a traumatic experience and gave you a sweet memory. That goes with that, and I love that so much. And I completely agree with the whole heaven thing because I think as Christians we all think that we should want that. Like, we should all have our ticket, and I guess one day we'll do that. But we're really a little attached to our lives here, to be honest. Certainly. And so sometimes I think it takes pain to kind of make us shift perspective to that. So I experienced a miscarriage and some chronic pain issues starting in 2013, and I also started looking into the heaven thing because all of a sudden— I had more of a reason to care than I did previously. So I think there are a lot of people like that. And so I love that you gave that resource. Yeah. So I think that's really neat that Thank the Lord broadened your perspective on that. Yes, I'm so grateful. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 life-changing, honestly. It really, I mean, every piece of the story, I mean, I'm sure like even you can even agree to, even every piece, every trial, um, is a, is a part of that building and growing, mm-hmm. but then to be able to really begin to truly live that faith that mm-hmm. I said I believed or that I thought I believed, and I did, but it's like a whole different level now. Yeah. And I think it helps me with any fear of death or fear of loss. It's so hard, still human, but um, it's definitely helped in that area and just with the, the closeness the Lord and knowing how much he cares. He cares so much about the little things. And he showed that a lot in my, um, in my time at Duke. Um, I had a a dog that I couldn't see for over a month and it was like, he was my baby. He's like, got me through so many things. And so it was really hard. But in this apartment right outside my window, there was this dog park. And so I got to watch these little dogs just play. And it was like, I knew it was a gift. It was just this little gift that God gave to me. And it was silly, but it was so big for me. Yeah. And um, I was like, if he cares about those little things, if he cares that I miss my dog (laughs) and gives me this little dog park beside my window, he cares about the big things, all of them Mm -hmm. so much. That's a good word. Amen. The end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so true. So true. I have another question for sure. you that I did not prep you for. Okay. <laughs> um, the title of your counseling practice is Renewal, right? Yes. Where did that come from? Or how did you settle on that? Huh. Good question. I definitely had a lot. I put a lot of prayer into it. Um, I've always really, I don't know, I feel like 
obviously with what I, what I went through and even just, even the, the devastating parts, just how he brings the restoration and redemption and renews so much of life because I have a, I live life very different now. Um, I, Definitely still, we all still have trials and, you know, worries and things that we deal with, but it's different. And so I feel like there has been a renewal and I really want, that's what I want for my clients. I want them to know that that is possible, even this side of heaven, like it's possible Uh and, but through him. And I think that's like, to me, that just, it is, it is something that he offers ultimately. And so, and I did, I mean, I prayed about it, but then of course I asked people, my close friends and family, like their thoughts. And so I don't know. I just kind of always liked that and it just kind of worked out. So well I love it. Yeah, I think and it fits with this podcast name, which is even cooler. Pause for new next. That's very true. Very true. Um one of the questions I ask in every podcast is who is somebody that inspires you and why? Well definitely star mm-hmm. um, she suffered so much and and not just physically um, but her disease because pretty much scleroderma just hardens everything um, and hers was systemic so not only did it harden her skin I mean it practically turns it to concrete it's like so bad which then of course causes wounds but it was also doing that to her organs oh. yeah so it's very sad it's just a horrible horrible disease um. So she would walk through that pain and suffering, but also she was a personal trainer. She loved working out. She loved doing mission trips and being active and adventurous, and it took all of that from her, too. She couldn't uh-huh. even work. So everything it took from her here, anyway. Um, and so her inspiration, she never complained. She was probably one of the strongest people I've ever met, and her faith never, ever wavered. It was incredible. It's hard mm-hmm. to watch it happen to her. Um, and I think that was another thing in the heaven study and in the book. And it just talks about because she never got a chance to get married or have children or any of those things. And that was so hard for me for some reason. I just struggle with that. But that's also knowing that I, um, you know, was still alive, even though for me, you know, definitely not being able to have children was a hard thing to deal with. But I think it just put it all in perspective for me that I'm still here and I, I just wanted to live that life, this life the way I'm supposed to, um, regardless of what, you know, any losses or anything. But with Star, I, in the heaven study, I, you know, there's a scripture and I cannot remember where it is, but it just talks about how all things are restored by like, what, 10 times 10. And so I'm like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Like what, whatever, you know, Star didn't get to experience. I know she's going to be experiencing that times 10. Yeah. And even for, for the things that maybe, you know, have been taken from myself, it's it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to yeah. be all okay. Like all the promises don't end here. Exactly. They keep going. Exactly. Yeah. So so anyway, Star, definitely an inspiration. I have a, um, a godmother who's also been chronically ill. And again, she's just this sweet spirit like she's just precious and she's always blessing others even though she's always in pain so I would say you know and of course my parents and just every and just everybody there was so many people that I could just like turn to and support but yes definitely inspiration would be star and probably Betty my little godmother so our last question what is your favorite scripture or what is the scripture that sustained you through all that 
through that, um, I feel like I leaned a lot on so many scripture, but um, Romans 12, 12 just really was very relevant. It's so simple and so relevant and one that I could pray over and be reminded of, but just being um, joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. And that was just, that was what I strive to do each day. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I that's really got me through it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Did you have anything else you wanted to share that I didn't ask I you or that? I don't think so. I think. <laughs> well, let me ask this to close us out. Sure. If there's somebody listening who is currently going through health problems themselves or has a family member who is, would you have any words of encouragement or anything that you've learned along the way that you'd want to pass on? Hmm. Yes. Um, it's easy to stay focused on the suffering and the hurts and the pain. And it's hard sometimes to even get out of that. But knowing that there's something so much greater that he can do with that, even if we don't notice it or see it in that moment. Um, and he he is faithful. And he's going, even if, again, even sometimes without the healing, like that promise of his comfort and his presence, that is so true and always going to be the case. And so just kind of walking through that, but also just knowing that um, that you're never alone, that he's there, but also just um, realizing that that will be used for some kind of good, whether it's here or in eternity, but it's a promise. Mm-hmm. So navigating it with that in mind. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thanks again to Lisa for sharing your story on this podcast. I was really encouraged by your faith, by Star's faith, and by the way the Lord has upheld you all along the way. If something about Lisa's story resonated with you, please comment on today's show notes or on PRN's Facebook page. If you know someone who would be encouraged by this story, please share this podcast episode. Faith stories are meant to be shared. You can find out more about Pause Renew Next on the website, pauserenewnext.com, where you can read blog posts or see previous podcast episodes. You can also find PRN on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, CastBox, or almost any podcasting app. Well, that's all for today's podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next, the podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus. So I'm a two. You are. Me too. Are you? Uh huh. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I think I'm a two with a wing of one. Then I'm like, maybe I'm a three sometimes. I don't know. I I think I've got both wings. Do you? Okay. Yeah, because I I don't want to be the one. So I think I'm just like, no, I'm not the one. I know. Sometimes I don't want to be the two. I'm not really a perfectionist at all. My house is a complete mess. But then I have like this really strong moral code that I can't quite break. Like I'll just feel bad for no reason. Inner critic. Like right here. Yeah, bad, bad. And, but then like... What kind of a one does a podcast? That's got to be the three, right? I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, there, I, could, I I definitely have some yeah, three in me. You're like, like entrepreneur over <clears throat> here.
That's got to be some three, right? Yeah, and I feel like I have to always be doing, doing, yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. and responsible. And yeah, yeah. So I, I think know. I got both. Supposedly, uh, if you're in health, like as you grow, you would have both wings anyway. Really? That's what so I, I didn't know that. Because mm-hmm. it like balances you out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 